Hello, and welcome to the Pokey TCG Cast Week 10. Now, this has definitely been a really great week so far, and I'm really looking forward to the weekend with the Latin America International Championships in Sao Paulo, Brazil happening. But aside from that, what I'm actually a lot more happier for is the fact that Minnesota weather is finally taking a shift towards something that's a little bit more spring-like. As even just last week, we had snow on the ground, and it's insane seeing that kind of stuff in April. But again, still happy with the fact that we're getting some more spring-like weather, and I'm not having to wear my winter coat everywhere I go. Now, aside from that good news going on, this week I'm looking into some more advanced deck-building techniques. So far this month, I've kind of covered... First, collecting your cards and some starts to building decks, kind of intermediate tips. And so I kind of want to look into some of the more advanced deck building techniques. And quite honestly, the thing that I can summarize the most with this video with advanced deck building is that you look over every card in your deck and make sure that any card that you have there is there for a reason. Now, it might be a really simple thing to state outright, but there's a lot of things that you do want to consider to make sure that that certain card is right for your deck. So, kind of the places that you want to start when you're filling out cards for your deck is to make sure that you start out with cards that you can't get rid of. For example, this is including four Ultra Balls in your list as Ultra Ball is just a really strong card right now, so unless they start printing Master Balls as regular cards, I don't think there really is anything that's going to replace it much. And actually, Mysterious Treasure might be something that might see use in a couple of decks, especially with Ultra Necrozma GX becoming a pretty hyped up deck for the new format going forward. But aside from the Mysterious Mysterious Treasure kind of replacing Ultra Ball. Ultra Ball is really a mainstay for pretty much any deck right now, and so you should be including four Ultra Balls in every deck that you make, with very few exceptions. Now, another card that is really hard to get rid of is going to be Tapu Lele GX. Now, the number that you decide to include in your deck is really going to depend on how your deck functions. So kind of more aggressive decks that set up very easily outside of just chaining draw supporters are typically going to run fewer Tapu Leles. And there is going to be very reas little reason to run outside of just one, given that most of the supporters that you're going to play that game will already be in your hand. So Tapu Lele GX is basically just going to be a one-of at least for every deck and kind of solidify your deck skeleton in that form. As Tapu Lele just turns all of the Ultra Balls that you have in your deck, which already solidified as a really stunned card, into whatever supporter you have avail available. It might turn into a draw supporter that you need when you're stuck with a given hand. It might turn into an end that you need to make sure that your opponent does not have certain cards in their hand, or even disrupt them to less cards than their hand. Or it just might turn into some other sort of 
draw or cycle or turn into a Guzma that you need to win the game. So the versatility of being able to draw any sort of supporter card from your deck really solidifies Tapu Lele GX as a very reasonable card to include and really not get rid of from your deck. Now, some other cards that have very good reasons for staying in the deck and being solidified as cards that you shouldn't get rid of include Cynthia, Sycamore, and N. Now, Sycamore and Cynthia, it will vary within your deck which one you want to play more of. You should do some math to see whether you can train jaw supporters with Cynthia consistently enough, or if you need Sycamores or with a certain number of other jaw supporters, if you will be able to chain them together. Now, chaining jaw supporters is roughly defined as when you use a draw supporter or some other hand refreshing card, having a large enough probability of drawing another hand refreshing or drawing card like Sycamore and or Cynthia. And so chaining draw supporters is really important for decks to be able to make sure that they get through their deck to get the cards that they need. Now, the last sort of card that you really shouldn't get rid of, and you might want to include at least a couple, is going to be Guzma. Guzma is really strong because throughout the game, there has been a lot of cards that have sort of effects like the very first printed Gust of Wind, and that effect is being able to switch your opponent's active Pokemon with one of their benched Pokemon. And this is really important as there's certain cards like Tapu Lele GX where your opponent doesn't necessarily want to play down a lot of them as it becomes a target that's very easy to KO for two prizes. And it's actually not necessarily just easy to KO, but something that allows you to draw two prizes. And so whenever these kinds of cards are available, especially supporter cards that have usually the effect of guaranteeing being able to switch the bench Pokemon with the active, have seen fairly high amounts of play just because if you play in this given format three Guzma, that means that you can potentially get all three KOs onto benched GXs that your opponent isn't prepared to give up. And so if you're playing a less experienced player, these cards are very strong as it really punishes them and makes the game go by a lot faster and a lot more decisively to your favor. And so that's kind of the reasoning why these sets of cards are really cards that you can't get rid of. Now I alluded to this earlier, but starting with those cards is a good place because it solidifies some of the cards that you want to include in your deck skeleton. Now, the next spec step to building your deck skeleton is identifying key cards and combinations that you want to include. For instance, if you want to play Zoark GX as a big portion of your deck, then including cards like Puzzle of Time is very important, kind of started with a lot of those beginning Zoroark GX archetypes. Now the reason for including Puzzle of Time is 
because Zoroark GX, when you're playing a high count of them, like three or four of them in your deck, it allows you to get through your deck a lot deeper. And because of that, it's a lot easier to get two of a certain card in your hand at a given time, or save certain cards because you aren't discarding or shuffling away your entire hand. And so because of this, it's a lot easier to get two puzzles of times in your hand, effectively giving you one of the key cards of last format, VS Seeker, and gives you a good way to not only grab supporter cards, but virtually any card from your discard pile. And so because of this, having a deck that can consistently use Puzzle of Time when they need it definitely makes sure that Puzzle of Time is a key card that they don't want to cut and include as many as they can. Now some other key card combinations. If you're playing a deck that isn't a Vulcanian-based deck or a Tapu Bulu-based deck, or a Ho'o deck for that matter, usually use Bridget for more consistent setups. Now the big thing for this is a lot of those older decks that didn't use Bridget relied on training supporters to be able to get through the basic Pokemon that they need to set up on their bench. Now Bridget is something that has popped up with the advent of Tapu Lele GX because Tapu Lele GX allows you to search very easily for that supporter if you manage to pick up an Ultra Ball, or even just straight up drawing it. And so, because of that, as opposed to relying on the chance to be able to draw enough basic Pokemon to play on your bench, Bridget just allows you to straight search for those benched Pokemon that you need and play some right away. Now, I did mention that Ho-Oh, Volcanion, and Tapu Bulu decks don't really rely on this for a couple of things. For one, in Ho-Oh decks, it's a lot more important for them to be able to use Kiawe on their first turn so that they are all powered up and ready to attack. Now, in Volcanion decks, the key reason that they don't use Bridget is the fact that Bridget can't grab Volcanion EX because one of the things printed on Bridget was if you search for a Pokemon EX you can only grab one of them. So in Volcanion decks it's pretty much a dead card because you aren't using it to its full potential. You are grabbing a Pokemon or a couple of baby Volcanions which for the most part you don't need more than one or two throughout a game. Now Tapu Bulu is just a really different circumstance because in older versions of that deck before Peter Kika kind of revolutionized the way that Tapu Bulu Vikavolt decks were made, Bridget was kind of a mainstay. But right now, because of the change that Peter Kika was able to make to the deck to make it a lot more consistent, it doesn't play Bridget anymore. Now, Onto maybe some different cards that you want to identify as key card combinations. Decks that can utilize Max Elixir or decks with bulky basic attackers, but essentially just decks that can utilize Max Elixir effectively. It becomes 
a lot more important to optimize the amount of energy that you include in your deck. Now, with most any deck, you want to really take into account how much energy you put in, and in some decks, like Zoroark decks, it's less important to have a lot of basic energy, as most of the time, you just want to include four double colorless energy, and depending on the variant of Zoroark, a couple of other special energy dependent on what sort of archetype it is. But otherwise, paying attention to the amount of energy that you include in your deck becomes very vital with Max Elixir decks, as the more energy you include in your deck, the easier it is to be able to use your Max Elixirs effectively and making sure that they actually work. And so in a lot of Max Elixir decks, very rarely do you see them go below 9 basic energy. Because if you're going below that, you're really relying on either being able to shuffle basic energy back into your deck after you've thinned it out, or just in general thin thinning out your deck so that you know what kind of basic energy is available. Now, another key card combination would be in a number of fighting decks that don't rely on Zoroark GX as their draw support can utilize Brooklet Hills to be able to set up a Remoraid and then Octillery effectively for some extra draw support. And so having Octillery as an easily set up draw support really helps fighting decks in the late game as it provides some rough support against having an opponent playing N to reduce you to a small hand size, as well as giving that little bit of extra draws that you need to be able to close out the game. Now that I've just told you how you can start building your deck skeleton by adding in cards that you can't get rid of, and then identifying key cards and combinations to include in that deck. One of the big skills in deck building is noting what card combinations are essential to the deck working, and knowing what the bare minimum you need is. Now this is important because kind of a pitfall that happens with deck building is making a deck that includes more than 60 cards, and then reducing the size of that deck to 60 cards. Now, this technique itself isn't necessarily a horrible technique, but a lot of people fall into the trap of starting with those cards and then later cutting down the size of the deck and trying to decide what cards are important to their deck and kind of forgetting the reason why certain cards should be important. And so it's a pitfall because they kind of lose out on the process of figuring out what cards are essential to their deck performing well. And so when you have a list with less than 60 cards, you've done a good job of doing that because you know what cards help your deck function the best. Whereas more than 60 cards, you sometimes decide on cards that are essential on being cut and make the deck work less effectively than it could be. And quite honestly, you miss out on one of the most important parts of the process, identifying key cards for your deck. So when you start making out your skeleton, try to reduce 
the amount of cards that are needed for the deck to come to function down to the bare minimum and in this case with very few exceptions the less that you have in your skeleton the better now this is with the caveat that it's better for the type of deck that you're making cutting down the number of cards that you have in your skeleton isn't the best necessarily when you're trying to compare archetypes because some archetypes are just inherently stronger than others. In which case, reducing the number of cards in a certain archetype skeleton doesn't necessarily allow you to make it a better archetype than another deck. So, setting up a deck skeleton starts with the idea, including cards that you can't get rid of, identifying key card combinations, and adding in extra cards for consistency. Now, adding in consisting cards should come before card combinations, as this actually means that your deck has a chance to execute its game plan. So making sure that your deck is consistent enough to be able to execute its game plan is typically a lot more important than having other card combinations. Now, if you have a skeleton that's still less than 60 cards after this point, this means that your deck has the ability to include tech cards or even more consistency. Now, kind of the reason for including even more consistency means that not every deck has the ability to even hit all of the cards that they need 100% of the time. And so adding cards that allow you to execute your game plan more than it was before by including additional consistency cards does mean that it does function with its main game plan better than other decks without consistency. Now the big reasoning against this though is that there's a lot of players that find that a certain amount of consistency over a threshold will say for right now above 80% is not really worthwhile because whenever you add a consistency card above that kind of optimal consistency threshold adds a lot less consistency than per chance that it was below that threshold. And so at this point, at a certain point of consistency, players will kind of stop adding those cards because it doesn't necessarily help as much as they would to achieve that threshold of consistency. Now, tech cards are important because it really changes the tide of certain games dependent on what the metagame looks like. So for right now, Buzzwool is a very strong contender in the metagame, and so tech cards like Mew, Mewtwo, and Mew EX are more or less a result of the current game metagame, as otherwise they're kind of unimportant. For example, Mew EX is a 120 HP basic Pokemon that copies attacks at the cost of two prizes. And so it's an easy to kill EX that you should really only use if you know that it significantly helps your decks match up against psychic weak cards such as Garbodor and Espeon, GX, and Buzzwool, and Lucario. Now, explaining Mewtwo, Mewtwo doesn't 
hit for a lot of damage for the cost of a double colorless energy. And so Mewtwo only should really be played in decks that run double colorless energy as it is. And again, the only way it really does a whole lot of damage is hitting for weakness against high energy cost attackers like Buzzwell when they're all charged up. And so Buzzwell really is the only reason he's being played, especially since it's not good against a majority of the situations that Lucario is being played right now. And so the first one, or even two attacks that Lucario makes, doesn't allow Mewtwo to hit for a whole lot of damage. Now, Mew is definitely the one to really keep a close eye on, as it's a 50 HP basic Pokemon, and so it's very frail. And for the most part, because it only really helps out when you're trying to make the prize trade a little less enticing for your opponent. And so Mew really only sees, or really sh only should see play in decks that utilize basic GX cards that it can copy their attacks because otherwise it's just a really frail basic Pokemon that doesn't do a whole lot otherwise. It could be used for a pivot, but there's other bulkier basics that do the same thing. Now, whether we include consistency or deck cards really boils down to the main game plan of your deck. In certain decks like Duskmane Necrozma GX, it makes a lot more sense to just add consistency cards as First of all, the deck itself kind of lacks consistency with Duskmane Necrozma is a deck that relies on being able to find a fair amount of energy, being able to find a stage 2, as well as rare candies to quickly get those stage 2s into play. It's just a lot of moving parts that if there's any way that you can try to make it more consistent, you really should especially since certain tech cards really don't do a whole lot for that deck. Because the Mew, Mewtwo, and Mew EX don't do a whole lot to help the games against Buzzwolves. And so those are kind of just more advanced ideas for deck building, is just what are some of the things that you want to consider when you're making your own deck from scratch making sure that you know that every card has a reason for being in the deck, identifying key cards and combinations on top of cards that you can't get rid of, as well as identifying what cards are needed and essential for making the deck able to work. Thank you again for tuning in to the Poke TCG cast, and I hope to see you next week.